Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas here. This is the Believe in Patriots podcast. This is episode four, but it is the first time that the podcast has been done in this way under these circumstances. And all I can wonder to myself is, did the guys at Barstool, did the guys at the Ringer, did the guys at Pardon My Take, did they feel like this when they were recording their first podcast Overall, again, this is not my first podcast. This is our fourth podcast of this season, but it's the first one done under these circumstances. So I am your host, Brady Farkas. This is Believe in Patriots on the Believe Podcast Network. And uh, a couple different things are at play right now. So uh, I'm going to give you the quick skinny and tell you exactly what we're doing and why I am nervous about all of this. So um, the last three episodes, for those that have listened, have known me as radio host at 101.3 The Game in Burlington, Vermont. I was let go from that position the other day as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. So um, first off, a lot of people have sent well wishes. People have listened to this podcast, listened to the radio show locally as well. I appreciate all of you. So thank you very much for what you do for me and continue to do for me. And now the benefit for you is that I'm going to be able to go headlong into this or head first rather into the Believe in Patriots podcast. And I'm really excited about what's coming because something that was more of a side project is going to become now a focal point. So um, we're going to have great guests. We're going to have big name guests. They're going to start today. Henry McKenna, Patriots Wire, covers the team, has for a number of years. He's going to join us in about 20 minutes or so. Bob Sosi, the voice of the Patriots, he's going to join me for Friday's episode. Uh, we're going to have Isaac Bruce, Pro Football Hall of Famer. He's going to come on next week. Miguel, who runs the at uh, Pat's Cap Twitter account, who knows everything there is to know about the Patriots money situation. So we have big things in store for the Believe in Patriots podcast. Um, if you're looking to help me out, if you're looking to help the podcast grow, here is what you can do. You can subscribe, rate, review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. We only grow if we get listened to. So share us, share the podcast, find the clips on social media. You can follow me at FA Radio Brady, conveniently at the top of your screen at Free Agent Radio Brady. First time I've been a free agent uh, in radio in, man, about, uh, I don't know, six years now, seven years now. Crazy. So um, Free Agent Radio Brady. So at FA Radio Brady, follow me there. Find the clips at Believe Podcast. You can find stuff there as well. But subscribe, rate, review, Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify. We're exploring with going um, live on YouTube. Uh, that was going to be the plan for today. I don't believe that that is working. But, hey, that's okay. I'll get that going as well. Three ways to listen. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. We'll have everything there as well. So um, that is how you can help. That is you can help the podcast grow. I appreciate you. And again, Henry McKenna now in about 15 minutes will stop by. Uh, I want to start with this. The Patriots, you know, as we as people have reported to training camp and there are workouts going on, the Patriots are now 
up to a league high eight players who have opted out of the NFL season. And my first thought was that that's surprising, right? As, as the name started to come in and it was first, it was Danny Vitale at fullback. And then it was an offensive lineman who had been on the practice squad a year ago and Najee Turan. And then it was, you started to see Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, the bigger names, Marcus Cannon started coming in. So it was surprising at first, but then it wasn't that surprising because think about what motivates NFL players. What motivates professional athletes? One, they want to win championships. And these are not necessarily in order. They want to win championships. They want to get paid and they want to have playing time. A lot of these Patriots players that have opted out, not all of them, but a lot have already achieved those things. So what exactly is there to put at risk or to play for? What exactly are you, why is it worth the risk? Dante Hightower has rings. He has money. He's been in the league for nearly a decade. He doesn't need to play through a pandemic. Patrick Chung, in the league more than a decade, doesn't need to play through a pandemic. Marcus Cannon has a ring, doesn't need to play through a pandemic, especially as a guy who has prior health concerns when he battled cancer. So it is not cons- it is not surprising to me anymore why the Patriots are now at players who have opted out. Again, some of them are surprising, right? Matt Lacoste, a younger guy, or a guy who's not as established, rather, with the Patriots, a guy who had opportunity to grow. That surprises me a little bit. But by and large, this doesn't surprise me what we're seeing. We are seeing a lot of players around the league opt out here as teams report to training camp. And the deadline is Thursday. So I'm recording this on Wednesday. Deadline deadline is Thursday at 4 p.m. Devin McCourty, the Patriots, extremely outspoken about that deadline saying that it's garbage that the the league is trying to save face. And you know what? He's probably right. But I, I see, I see all sides of this because from McCourty's side, if I'm a player, I'm livid about this. I've made the decision to come to camp. I'm going to get tested. I want to see how things go. And you're not even really giving me the opportunity to see how things go. You see what happens in baseball, right? You guys, Lorenzo Cain of the Brewers just opted out a couple of days ago. Yoannis Cespedes just opted out a couple of days ago for the Mets. So they've been there. They've seen the protocol. It's not to their liking. They don't feel safe. They leave. Football is not giving you that chance here in training camp to do that. So if I'm a player, I, I just have to go in and blindly trust the system. When there's so much distrust between management, the commissioner's office, and the players as it is, you can understand why that would be such a leap of faith for a player to just say, okay, I haven't really seen how this is going to go, but I'm all in. Conversely, if you are ownership, if you are management, I understand where you're coming from also. This is a tough situation. This is this is why we keep hearing the saying, in unprecedented times. We've never seen this before. If you are management, you need to know who your roster is. You want to operate under the assumption that you have an idea of who your roster is, of who your starter is going to be. And remember, this isn't baseball. I don't have zillions of minor leaguers to choose from. I don't have a taxi squad. I got my 80 players who I'm bringing to camp, and I that's who I've got to work with. And I don't have just endless amounts of guys in reserve, so I've got to know Who am I investing in and who am I playing with? I understand all sides of this. Of course, in this case, I'm going to side with McCourty. But to sit here and say that you don't understand where management or where the league is coming from, that would be misguided as well. Um, As for what all these opt-outs mean for the Patriots, to me, 
And by the way, um, before I get to that, it's very freeing to be able to just do this podcast. And because in, in, in the past, when I would do it, I would do it from a radio studio and I'd be playing with a millions of buttons and this sound effect and that sound effect and this audio clip and that audio clip. And you're, 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 you're like a magician trying to climb all around the studio and make it all work here. I, as you can tell, look, I'm in a closet right now. I am in a closet. This is what I have right now. It's a home studio. So if you're watching on YouTube, I apologize. I got told that it looks like a hostage video. I got told that it looks like that, that my, my lighting is bad. I've got a tablecloth from the dollar store as my backdrop. So that's why you don't see a door, but Hey, this is what we're doing. As, as I said, quotes, unprecedented times. So, um, it's fun though. It's, it's liberating to just be able to talk. This is what I want to do. I don't want to press a zillion buttons to do this podcast because it, it distracts you from the overall mission. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to really growing this podcast. I'm so excited for it. But as for what the opt-outs do to the Patriots in 2020, the pressure to me has gone skyrocketed, has skyrocketed on Cam Newton. Well, why, Brady? Why do you think that? Everybody thinks the team is going to be worse without these players. So therefore, the pressure on Cam, no big deal, right? No, opposite effect. We thought... That all along, Cam Newton, Jared Stidham, whoever, could just come in and be a game manager. Come in and win 16-13. Don't make the big mistake. Let the defense carry you. A defense that was number one, number one in the NFL a year ago. That's not going to be the case now. The defense has some nice pieces left, but there's a lot, a lot of uncertainty about this number one ranked defense right now. When you think about what you've lost, you've lost. Just in free agency alone, you lost Danny Shelton. You lost Jamie Collins. You lost Kyle Van Noy. You lost Elandon Roberts. Now you throw in Dante Hightower. You're replacing your entire linebacking crew from a year ago. Then you're going to throw in that you lose an experienced player in Patrick Chung. This defense doesn't come in as heralded as last year. It's Stephon Gilmore, a very good secondary, presuming the McCordys don't opt out. I mean, it's a very good secondary, a team that didn't have a great pass rush, a team that now has no linebackers from a year ago and a team that we wanted them to get young, but not quite like this. Cam Newton now has to win games. He cannot be a limiting factor. This cannot be Cam goes out and goes 13 for 21 for 164 yards and waits for the defense to pull out a pick six or waits for the block punt. Cam Newton needs to help win games for this team. He needs to be part of the solution and not just, okay, he's not the problem. So the pressure for me has gone way up on Cam Newton when he sees now what he doesn't have. You've taken away the thing that was going to be his biggest strength. The biggest strength of this team was not going to be a a, a dynamite running back or a great wide receiver or or a fantastic tight end. The strength of this team was going to be his defense. He was going to be able to win games without having to be super cam and let the defense play a field position game at times or force a big turnover. He can't do that anymore. Cam Newton needs to be part of the solution. He needs to be part of why they win and not just a part of a reason as to why they don't lose. And Vegas has high expectations for Cam Newton as well. He is the Vegas favorite. For the comeback player of the year. And look, I couldn't care less 
about the comeback player of the year. But I have no problem with Cam being the favorite for it. In fact, a quarterback is if a quarterback is eligible for it, of course the court we know this. The quarterback gets love from the, from the voters, the league, the players, the fans, etc. The quarterback gets all the love and usually all the blame. So Cam being up there in the discussion doesn't surprise me. I still think that I would probably say Matthew Stafford has a better chance to win it than than he does. And and I don't get the Matthew Stafford slander. If I were a Lions fan and I followed him more closely, maybe I'd get it. Number one pick in the draft. They haven't won the Super Bowl. I think they've been in the playoffs twice, and I think they've been bounced in the first round twice, if I'm remembering correctly. Sorry, I'm not up on my full Lions trivia right now. But uh, bottom line, number one pick in the draft hasn't won a Super Bowl. Been there almost a decade. People are you know people are probably upset about it in Detroit, but I like Matthew Sla- Matthew Stafford. Man, he's a gunslinger. Throws it around, tough guy, doesn't miss games outside of last year when he was forced to miss games because of a serious injury. Great story with his family. His wife battled illness. I mean, there's a lot of things to like about Matthew Stafford. I would choose him over Cam Newton. And by the way, I think that he's got a chance to put up some good numbers. He plays indoors. That helps. Minnesota's indoors. That helps so he can throw it, put up good numbers in the division. He's got some electric pieces on offense. If Alex Smith wins the job in Washington, which I don't know that he will beat out Dwayne Haskins, but if he did, um, or Kyle Allen, who they got from Carolina, I don't know if he'll beat him out. But if he does, coming from missing a full season and that gruesome injury that he suffered, I mean that he would he could walk to the to the comeback player of the year award. I mean Alex Smith is the best story in the NFL, bar none, if he gets just gets back on the field for snaps this year. Nevertheless comes out and plays um, and plays well. So I, I don't care about the comeback player of the year, but I think Cam now is going to have a better case for it because he's going to have to do a whole lot more than what I thought he was going to have to do. Um, other people, you know, I was thinking about this, other people who could probably get in the mix for comeback player of the year. Ben Roethlisberger, certainly. Remember, he missed nearly all the year last year. I think he played a game and a half for Pittsburgh. Had the uh, had the elbow injury. He says he feels great and has felt great this offseason. A.J. Green didn't play last season. Nobody thinks the Bengals are going to be that good, but Joe Burrow is certainly going to need somebody to throw to, and A.J. Green is that guy. And, and Joe Burrow has said that he's going to count on A.J. Green, that he wants A.J. Green to be there. So or through the offseason, we were talking about trading A.J. Green maybe to the Patriots. We had said that we wanted, you know, or Joe Burrow had said that he wanted A.J. Green there. And I think that's probably a large reason as to why A.J. Green is still there in Cincinnati. So, um, like, he could win it, but it's always going to go to a quarterback if the quarterbacks are eligible for it. And between Cam, Stamp, Stafford, Alex Smith, and and Ben Roethlisberger, I don't see any way that it goes to, I mean, J.J. Watts up there too, Malcolm Butler, but I don't see it going to a defensive player as well. So uh, I, I think the pressure is absolutely on cam. The other thing that I have seen, and this one is just uh, flummoxing to me and Colin Coward, who's my radio idol has been saying this for two weeks and I've disagreed with him every day for the last two weeks. There are people, including Colin that think that Bill Belichick has orchestrated these opt-outs that basically he sees the writing on the wall team isn't as good 
So he's now told players to sit out so they can quote tank and then go get a top pick in the draft. Let, let, let's, let's examine this for a second. All of these things could potentially work out for Belichick. None of these things work out for the players involved who have opt out, opted out. So therefore, this theory, this conspiracy theory, makes absolutely zero sense. So I mean, let me let's play the scenarios out here. If the team is awful, so these players have opted out. The team's awful. Pats get a high draft pick, and then all these guys come back next year. Well, that works out great for Belichick, right? They get the young players in the draft, and then they go out and they they bring back in good, useful players, right? That works out for Belichick, 100%. That could work out for the player too, but possibly not. Other scenarios, the team is awful. These guys have opted out. Pats get a high draft pick, and then Belichick goes and cuts these guys. A lot of these guys are going to be free agents. So these guys now can be cut at no dead cap money. Where does that work out for the player? What player is agreeing and saying, yes, Bill, I will be part of this theory, and then next year you can cut me for no reason? You think Dante Hightower is giving up $8 million, a tenth of his career in the NFL, and then is going to go and let some young guy who who's his replacement go get 16 games right in Belich- with Belichick watching his every move just so he can go get cut next year for nothing? What player is signing up for this? Yes, Belichick may secretly want all of these things to happen. He may, but the player ultimately has a decision to opt out, and no player would just, in their right mind, agree to this, knowing that they could be cut, be replaced, not make money, and cost themselves part of their career and their livelihood. Patrick Chung, he said it to CBS uh, this morning, last week. I'm at the end of my career. He knows he's at the end of his career. He knows that the team drafted Kyle Duggar with their first pick in the second round this year. He, Kyle Duggar could have been gunning for Patrick Chung's job anyways. So now Belichick's going to let Duggar you know, show off for 16 games to where Chung is completely replaceable or can be cut or benched. I mean, just the, the idea that Belichick is such the mad scientist that he could go out and orchestrate this is absurd to me. While certain things can be good for him, they are not good for these players moving forward. I mean, Dante Hightower again, eight million. He's got some of eight million dollars this year. The idea that he just said, "Sure, Bill, I'll sit out, let the Patriot way go on," it's just, it's not going to happen. Um, overall about the NFL season right now. I feel confident that it's going to happen, but I have no idea what it's going to look like. There are certainly going to be more players that opt out by the deadline. Again, as I tape this on Wednesday, that are going to, that are going to opt out um, by tomorrow. That's going to impact people as well. It's going to impact teams as well. So I don't know what any team's going to look like. Patriots have lost eight. I have no idea as to, as to who else is going to lose people as to, when the Patriots play someone, is a quarterback going to be out for the other team? Is their quarterback going to be out? I don't know. I want to bring in now for the first time on the Believe in Patriots video version of the podcast, Henry McKenna covers the Pats for Patriots Wire. Henry, you there? Yeah, how's it going? Good, man. How is everything for you? I appreciate you stopping by. Of course, yeah. Um, life's pretty good, man. Getting used to uh, quarantine lifestyle and um, – 
but yeah, I'm, I'm happy, healthy and, and doing pretty well. Well, I, I'm not looking at your video right now, but last I checked, you were growing the mountain man beard. So is that still there? I, I definitely have a mustache and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting shaggy these days. I'm debating whether football season should bring about, you know, my normal business haircut or whether I should just embrace the chaos and, and keep it long. We'll see. Well, I was just talking about this and, and Colin Cowherd is my, he's my radio idol. I, I love listening to Colin, but he thinks that Belichick has orchestrated these opt-outs with some conspiracy master plan. And I think that's patently absurd. I'm sure you've seen that conspiracy theory. What's your take on it? Yeah, I don't think it makes sense. I think Patrick Chung pretty quickly um, discredited that as being dumb to, to use Patrick Chung's word. Um, Chung also kind of bristled at the idea that, well, if Tom Brady were here, maybe some of the Patriots stars would still be playing because they'd be more motivated to get another championship with Brady versus Cam Newton coming in being less likely to win another Super Bowl. But he also, he dismissed that idea. So I think, I think honestly, this is just a very personal decision for players and to imagine that there's some sort of big um, conspiracy going on beyond is, is silly. It's just, it's just that these guys are, are human and they have pregnant wives or they have uh, family members around them who are high risk to contract both COVID and severe symptoms. So when you look at them as humans, I think I think you can kind of understand why, you know, these guys are also millionaires. They've made a lot of money for the most part, and they have the option to defer earnings for a year with with pretty much guaranteed um, opportunity to make what they're going to make this year, just next year. And when they have all that money put away already, you know, you I, I can see why it's a pretty easy decision, honestly, to pass on the season um and i think that it we joked on for the win um you know patriots are notorious for adding really smart players and so this is one situation where it comes back to bite them because like these really smart guys are sort of like evaluating a very simple um quandary which is like give up you know a few million bucks for next year in order to you know feel good about uh, the health of my family. Well, that's, that's kind of a no brainer. Right. But, uh, but still football is sort of an irrational urge, right? There's a sense of fanaticism and, and, and with fanaticism comes a little bit of, of craziness. So here we are having a season and here we are having players, you know, decide that, that, that it's worth the risk. It also doesn't to what you alluded to, Patrick Chung saying about, oh, if Brady were here, guys would have stuck around. That flies in the face of everything we've heard all offseason from how excited everyone is in Cam Newton. If I were Cam Newton, I'd be offended as hell hearing people say that because I think it was Rodney Harrison just two weeks ago who said Cam Newton's going to help them forget about Tom Brady. Optimism was was high with players with Cam there. And to insinuate that Cam's not good enough to keep me around, I wouldn't be taken too kindly to that if I were him. Right. Yeah, I think, I mean, he'll probably use it as motivation. Bill Belichick will probably use it to motivate the players that don't opt out. So I think uh, ultimately those those uh, suggestions that 
this is more than just a personal decision for each player that Bill Belichick is puppet master or whatever. It's just, it's just people trying to come up with something to talk about. Uh, it, it just seems silly to me. What, how long have you been covering the Pats now? Good question. This worse, I guess I'm starting my fifth season. So how did you get into to, to, to covering the Pats? Did you grow up a Pats fan? Did you luck into the position? How did you hook up with covering the Pats in general? So I grew up in Connecticut um, and went to boarding school in northern Connecticut um, and actually was up. I was in high school during the 2007 season when um, and, and in northern Connecticut, that's Patriots, Boston territory. And in southern yep. Connecticut, which is where I grew up, that's New York territory. Um, but for, but sports at least from like a rooting interest TV standpoint, there, there, there wasn't much in my, my house growing up. My, my parents didn't really care about sports. So I didn't become a sports fan until high school. And that's when I kind of grew up in a Boston ish area. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was watching, watching Boston sports growing up and in New York sports. Um, and, uh, my, professional path is a little weird so i studied creative writing at colorado college i went to this little school out in colorado um because i love it out there and um that didn't really set me up very well to be a uh, journalism uh or uh, a journalist it, it sounds sort of silly but journalists are very particular about the way you write and a lot of um sports editors will will tell you at least they told me that like creative writing is not what they're looking for obviously hmm. because it's like fiction right but i think as you get into the profession you see how different the, the two forms are and so i can kind of understand why why they didn't like you know my background was sort of in creative writing because it teaches you a different way of thinking about writing but um i think that serves sort of as a difficulty for me at first in getting into the field and so I did some internships at newspapers but couldn't get a job right out of um, work I mean out of college so at least in sports writing so then I went into sports television actually uh, and was a freelancer in tv production doing like wow. graphics um, associate producer uh, all sorts of different like gigs um, I even controlled the score bug for college basketball games, like in the corner of, uh, of your, of your screen. So I did. Yeah, this, this is my first uh, dalliance with graphics here. This is the best I got right now, but I'm actually pretty happy with what I've learned in two days of being unemployed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there are all sorts of fun programs that like big net. I was working at NBC sports, um, different networks have different programs. So I was working with that and then, uh, it got to the point where I just missed writing too much. And so I was working my way in NBC Sports from TV to digital media, just kind of like trying to get hours on their websites. And it worked. So ultimately, I got I was working in D.C. as a as a sports like as a copy editor, basically, for uh, NBC Sports Mid-Atlantic. Um, and, and then you know, my fiance, who, uh, 
she's my fiance that now then then many years ago was not uh, she moved up to new hampshire which is pretty low cost of living town that we picked um for her first job out of college because she was a year below me anyways became a freelance writer then um became worked for the boston globe at boston.com as a general assignment sports reporter and actually my official title was social sports social news writer so sort of a viral focus but then when i got there everybody got laid off so i was the only sports writer left and had to wow. do everything um and then used that job to get my current job at, at usa today sports media group covering the patriots long so, story that i didn't make short so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey look the, the life of media people and the life of coaches i've learned that there are many many stops along the way so uh, they're all, I, like i love all those stories so it's a, it's perseverance it's fun and you've ultimately landed a great gig what's it like to cover the pats day to day because i can tell you now that i'm not employed anymore. I can tell you that they're famously difficult to work with for their affiliate radio partners. I mean, there are individual people who are great, but the team philosophy is very, very difficult. Uh, what's it like for you in terms of level of access, et cetera? Yeah, that is definitely a thing. Um, I was watching, um, I was watching the last dance and there's a scene where Dennis Rodman is leaving the building after he went missing and and did like a wwe appearance in the middle, yeah. middle of the bulls playoff run or nba finals run and uh so the pr guy literally is sprinting with dennis rodman yes to help him get out of the building and he goes on the motorcycle with and he crushes a miller light as he's on the motorcycle like who does that yeah uh so Anyways, so, I mean, that's like a vast exaggeration of what's happening in the Patriots building. They are, um, they, they can be very helpful, um, but they are also, you know, they're definitely limiting. Like, so I was, here's an example. I was writing this story about Jeff Thomas and the Patriots wouldn't allow me to speak to Jeff Thomas for the story. He's a Patriots undrafted rookie. Um, I'd spoken to just about everybody in Jeff Thomas's life with the exception of his mother and his brothers, um, and I couldn't get to any of them because the Patriots wouldn't let me talk to them. But meanwhile, wow. I'm sort of like calling around, um, calling you know some pro players. I called the the Minnesota Vikings. KJ Osborne um, was a third round draft pick, and he went to the Vikings. They gave me his direct personal phone number to give him a wow. call, <laughs> while the Patriots would not let me speak to Jeff Thomas, Jeff Thomas's mother, Jeff Thomas's family at all. So. They just have a different way of doing things, and it's it's so that they can control the narrative very carefully. You know, we talk about Bill Belichick and how he um, takes such care in every single detail. Well, media relations is one of those details, and it's an important one for football operations because as much as players don't want to admit they read headlines and stuff like that, they do. In fact, Bill Belichick sometimes forces the headlines in front of his players uh, as a form of motivation to say, oh, this this writer thinks you stink and this writer thinks that. And so there's there's definitely an element of controlling, you know, who talks to the media, when they talk to the media, um, what they say. 
And so it is very different, I would say, than than a number of NFL operations around the league. You know, you and I, I think, are maybe even the exact same age. You talk about being in high school in 2007. I was also in high school in 2007, so we're both right around 30. And so I know um, how hard it is to be young and in media and try to gain a following and try to gain respect in the business. And there are so many people who have covered the Patriots for a long time in various ways, whether it's Bob Ryan or Dan Shaughnessy or Tom Curran. How hard is it for you as a young guy to gain a foothold in a team when there's so many people who have been around the organization for a long time? It's really hard, I would say. I would say, um, you know, I've started to earn my keep a little bit within the reporters who are there. Um, I think they, I would like to hope <laughs> that they, um, they respect me as a reporter. Definitely took some time. And I would say that in turn, you know, the Patriots PR staff um, has been kinder to me in recent years and more helpful to me in recent years. Except for um, Jeff Thomas. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, th- that's a, that's a, something that's consistent throughout. You know, they don't, okay, give, okay. They don't give Patriots rookies to anyone um, until training camp. And because this is such a unique training camp, the, the, the we still haven't heard from us uh the patriots rookies since draft day since you know they were the ones that were drafted wow. we heard from them once for about you know seven minutes right after they got drafted so anyways yeah definitely a challenge when there are so many talented reporters um you know and, and a lot of them have their own niche so you've got guys like curran who's well sourced and one of the best writers and and uh one of the most like thoughtful opinionators on the beat. You've got Mike Reese, who's extremely yeah. well-sourced and just knows exactly where the heartbeat of the organization is at the exact moment where he's writing. So he just, he just writes exactly what's most important at that moment. Um, you've got Jeff Howe, who does a really nice job telling, you know, the story behind the story, whether it's a player's life or, you know, a, a moment in the organization that's important to peeling back the curtain. You got um, Doug Kide, a high volume writer, very prolific, uh, very, you know, curious reporter. There are just so many guys. I mean, I could go on and on. And I you don't sound... Believe- you sound like uh, Mel Kuyper here, giving the Patriots beat writers scouting reports. And then, and then you got Zach Cox at Nesson's second man of the Nesson team, and he, he does this. And then we got Mike Giardi, who used to be at NBC Sports Boston, but he's right. all over the beat. So I feel like you're Mel Kuyper here. Yeah, I could go on. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah like don't forget Andrew Callahan. I mean, yes. it goes it goes on forever. Ryan, Ryan Hannibal at EEI, um, and now Chris Mason at Mass Live. The beat is huge. Uh and everyone is very talented and you have to figure out what you're good at um, or get good at something <laughs> if you're not really good at anything yet. Uh, and you have to really like hammer that as your your contribution to the beat while also doing everything else well. You got to find something that you're exceptional at and really sort of sell yourself in that way if you want to develop a following. You know, I'm, I'm this guy on the Patriots hmm. beat. And I don't even know if I've been able to do that yet. So still working at it. Have you been told what the season is going to be like for the media? Are you going to be permitted at 
open practices, all of them, are you going to be permitted at the games? You're going to have to socially distance and do multiple different suites to cover the game. Have you been told what that's going to be like? So I'm, I am sort of resigned to not, I didn't even request press box access this year. Wow. Uh, I decided that the risk to, um, benefit ratio was not was not enough and you know maybe later in the season if covid improves the covid um like case numbers etc improve i might you know reopen the conversation but at that point it might be too late but everything i've heard my my fiance is in healthcare and she's like it's not going to get better this fall it's going to get worse wow. flu season will coincide with with an uptick in COVID cases because people are going to be going inside and it's going to get more complicated for us. So I was like, you know what? I do, I do a good enough job covering the game from home. There's no need for me to go into a press box where I'm going to be in an enclosed space with people. Um, You got to be taking regular tests just to get into that press box, like a few times a week. And then you probably won't get any access um, to anyone on the team after the game everything's going to be happening on video conference call in fact there's there's actually a video conference call with the with the players right now it's uh juan bentley jonathan jones and joe tooney today so that's kind of how it's going to operate i think a lot of the beat reporting that we would typically do in locker rooms and press conferences at practices that's not going to happen this year it's all digital with the exception of about five reporters who will be going to practice um, doing pool reporting and, you know, it's just going to be, uh, just like everything else in, in, you know, in COVID and during this pandemic, it's going to be different and people are going to have to adapt and hopefully the Patriots will adapt with us and help us maximize our coverage. Um, I'm not so sure that will happen though. (laughs) So it sound, I'll get you out of here on a, on a couple of fun things. So since you're going to be home and it sounds like you've been home, kind of self-quarantining um, to keep everybody safe, what should I be binge watching now that I'm going to be home a lot more? Oh, man, I got so many shows for you. I've been watching uh, 90 Day Fiance now. That's my new thing. Okay. Uh, what kind of shows do you like? What's, like, what's, your, what's your favorite genre? Uh, I would say action, detective, uh, like – I used to watch Burn Notice back in the day, Chicago PD. If it's got a detective kind of crime element to it, I like it. But I'm not into gore, so I don't need anything where people's heads are getting bashed in. Okay. So my recommendations might be tricky because that's that's one genre I'm not – I don't do very often. But okay. here are some of my favorites. Um, so Umbrella Academy just came out with the second season. That's about like – it's sort of like – my my friend actually described it as like hipster X Men. It's kind of like a fun, uh, edgier version of like if young superheroes got adopted by sort of like a weird <laughs> parent and and helped them, you know, be a group. But obviously, there's a lot of dysfunction in the family because the, if like actual superheroes got adopted, it would not go smoothly like X Men. Um, and what else? Um, I really love this show called Catherine the Great on Hulu. It's okay. about uh, Catherine the Great. She is a Russian um, empress. 
and it's hilarious. It is so funny. It's a period piece, but I mean, I got past that in like two seconds. Was watching it with my fiance. You it sound like, in addition to Mel Kiper, it sounds like you've got some. Uh, I can see the creative writing coming out in you, just based on the shows you're giving. But I also can see like movie critic, film reviewer somewhere in your future if, if you decide to ever stop covering football. I actually do film reviews and TV reviews sometimes. For, okay. For um, for the win, which is one of the websites I work for at USA Today. If you haven't watched The Mandalorian, you should watch that. That's on Disney Plus. Uh, it's really fun if you're a Star Wars person. Um, I have never yeah. seen one minute of Star Wars. Oh well, maybe you should try watching the movies from from one to nine, or even just. I like- just. I think it's become like a. I think it's become a thing in society, and I didn't mean for it like to be me. But I think there's become a group of people who have pride in saying I've never watched Star Wars. I've just never watched it because like fantasy, extraterrestrial was never my thing. But I think there's a segment of the population that's now like, I'm never going to watch it just to spite all of you that do. Ah, uh, okay. Well, that's fair, I guess. I mean, I don't agree with that, but I can <laughs> understand that that's your position. If you did relent on that position, you should probably just watch four, five, six. Okay. And then then at least you've covered the sort of cult phenomena. And that's sort of like the purest uh, section of movies because one, two, three people hate. And now that seven, eight, nine are finished, those are the the most recent ones. People kind of hate them too. So (laughs) just the OG five six or sorry four five six made by george lucas that inspired it all those are probably where you could you could start and end well henry man i appreciate it. henry mckenna patriots wire you you can follow his great work uh at mckenna analysis on twitter uh my favorite piece you've written this off season was your piece on steve belichick i encourage you to google it and go find it uh it was a blast uh, to read so i appreciate it henry thank you yeah Thank you, and stay well, Brady. Awesome. Thanks. There he goes. There's Henry McKenna, Patriots Wire. Again, I do encourage you to follow him. A lot of what he had to say, very relatable. Um, To be a young guy in media is awesome in a lot of ways, right? You can bring in fresh perspective. You can bring in um, different viewpoints. You can challenge people who have been doing it for a long time, and I think that's all great. But your level of access, your ability to gain respect or the lack of respect that you get in the field sometimes is very, very difficult to overcome. So uh, props to Henry for being able to do it. He does a great job. Um, Again, give him a follow at McKen Analysis. Um, I want to wrap up with this real quick. My quick thought on this, Um, because we talk about eight players opting out. The guy that I'm most excited to watch now is Kyle Duggar. And... Again, there's a chance he could have taken Patrick Chung's job anyways. He was already coming for it when they drafted him with their first pick overall, but in the second round. Fast, physical, Swiss Army knife, can play safety, can play all over the secondary, maybe even get up into the linebacker hybrid position, can just do a lot of things. And I'm looking forward to seeing how the Patriots employ him, deploy him, and uh, it's going to be fun. Season's going to be so different. I feel good about it happening. I don't know what's going to happen to other teams before the deadline comes. I don't know what's going to happen on a week-to-week basis. 
there's going to be a day, trust me, where the Patriots are the beneficiary of someone's COVID handling or someone's COVID testing, and somebody big gets taken off the field for a Patriots opponent and it helps them. It can just as easily go the other way, though. So to sit here and make predictions on records, etc., is foolhardy at best. But uh, we're going to have a season one way or the other. So remember, subscribe, rate, review. Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Watch on YouTube. All the views, all the listens, all the downloads help. Tell your friends. This is going to be, you know, my goal is to make this the the biggest place for Patriots news with big names. So Bob Sosi, Patriots broadcaster on the radio side, he's going to stop in on Friday. Pro Football Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce, he's up next week. And that is just the beginning. Thanks a lot, everybody. And I'll see you soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.